And this week, um, I've been asked to speak a bit about, well, what's our mission as a group of people in this community? And so the title there that I was given to talk about is, What is an Oasis Hub? For those of you that have been part of the church for a long time, you'll know that hub is our word to describe everything that we do in the community here in Waterloo. Um, it's really our word to sort of capture everything that the church does and the schools and uh, that we do in the community here. Um, so I want to think about two things uh, this evening. One is what is a hub, and then secondly, what is our role in that hub? What, what's uh, our role? Last week, Steve uh, gave us these five words, uh, which you better read on that screen. Um, five words which sort of sum up some of the DNA of what it means to be an Oasis church. A church that's inclusive, a church that's committed to interdependence. A church that's committed to intimacy with each other and with God. Um, a church that's involved in its community. Um, and a church that's got influence as well in the wider world and in society. Um, and so I'm going to pick up not all five of those words, but a couple of those words as, as we go this evening. Um, I want to show you this picture. Oasis works in this country in 35 different communities around the country, 35 different hubs. Um, but Oasis also works around the world um, in 10 different countries around the world, and I think in total about 55 communities together around the world. Um, and for those of you who have heard me talk before, I often talk about uh, going to India. I spent a couple of years in India with Oasis, um, and so this uh, talk is no exception. I'm going to tell you a story about India. Um, this is a picture of a place called Vijay Nagar. Vijay Nagar is in a suburb of Mumbai, Bombay, in a suburb called Bandra. Um, and Bandra is uh, a really wealthy bit. Uh, it's quite a pretty affluent bit of Bombay. Um, in fact, it's the place where all of the Bollywood stars live, um, and it's also the place where all the big multinational companies are based. Um, so HSBC and Citibank and Barclays and all the big companies are based there. In fact, just a couple of hundred meters away from um, this shot, this is a sort of Google Earth image of Vijay Nagar. A couple of hundred meters away from this is the Indian Stock Exchange, which is this massive fancy building on a, a road called Bandra Kula Complex. Uh, and Bandra Kula Complex is like... Bombay's answer to Canary Wharf. It's got all big, fancy buildings on it, only a couple of hundred metres away. Um, but in this picture, you can probably see on the, on the left-hand side of the picture, there are some of the, they weren't really posh, but some of the sort of more affluent buildings that people were living in flats. And you can see lots of green space and you know, lots of trees and stuff in that picture. And then on the right-hand side of that road, you can see this sort of amorphous uh, blob um, this sort of rectangle here and then that sort of black river that runs down the side of it. Um, and that community there, the rectangle, is called Vijaynagar um, and it's a slum with hundreds, thousands of people living in it. It's probably sort of 500 metres up one side by, I don't know, 100 metres something down the other side. Um, here's a picture of the same community from the ground. Um, and so you can see Vijaynagar is um, a place with lots of um, sort of hutments, really, one, two-storey hutments, um, people crammed in together. And Bombay is a city that's got about 25 million people living in it, all told. Um, and almost half of the population live in slum communities. Um, and because of that, it's quite a small geographical space, Mumbai. Um, and because of that, um, the poverty and wealth is like cheap by jowl. It's right next to each other. And so you can see in that picture, in the background, are some of the, the fancier apartment blocks um, and this is Vijay Nagat right next door to it. In fact, just the other side of those apartment blocks is you've probably heard, you know in Slumdog Millionaire, the, the slum that the child lives in is called Dharavi. Um, it's the biggest slum in Asia. It's got at least a million people living in it. Uh, that's literally just the other side of those uh, sort of high-rises you can see in the background. Um, so the reason I tell you about this place is that Oasis Mission is the same 
around the world. It's the same wherever Oasis works, and it's our mission here. Um, I worked in India for two years and worked in this community, and I learned all sorts of stuff whilst in India, but I definitely learned this, um, that our job, my job in that community was to be good news. Um, and so the reason we read that reading from Isaiah is um, it talks about being good news, doesn't it? Our job in that community, my job in that community, was to be good news to absolutely every single person in that community. So to young people, to old people, to married people, to single people, to people who had migrated into the city, and there were lots of them that had, to people that had lived in that community for many, many years. My job, our job as Oasis, was to be good news. Um, and what do I mean by good news? We've probably talked about this quite a bit as a church together, but I mean good news educationally. Good news spiritually. Good news in terms of your relationships. Good news in terms of your finances. Good news in terms of your health. Good news in terms of where you live and the environment you live in. Um, So why is Oasis that level of broad? I mean, it's like for absolutely everybody, and it's like absolutely every aspect of your life. Um, Why is it that level of broad? Um, And the answer to that question is that reading we read at the start. And when we look at Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus is good news to whoever he meets in whatever way they need. He's good news relationally to people. He's good news spiritually to people. He's good news in terms of people's health. He's good news in terms of people's finance. He's good news in all aspects of people's lives. And he hangs out with the rich. He hangs out with the poor. He hangs out with people that have been forgotten by everybody else. He hangs out with some of the rulers. He hangs out with some, he hangs out with absolutely everybody too. Jesus is relational good news to Zacchaeus who's got no friends. He's health good news to people who, when he's healing people. He's spiritual good news to people when he says, you've got to be born again. You've got to change the way you see the world. You've got to change the way you understand your place in the world. Jesus has got this really broad mission, and then, therefore, that's what we're having a crack at, too. Um, So, there are um, some projects that Oasis India run in that community, in Vijay Nagar. This is one of the projects. It's called Blue Edge. It's sponsored by DHL in India. In India, it's called Blue Dart, hence Blue Edge. Um, and this is a spoken English class for young people. Um, uh, for sort of, I think, 16, 17, 18, probably up as far as 20-year-olds. Um, and this is a course, and young people from that some community come and learn to speak spoken English, um, and they learn some life skills and some basic computing skills. And the idea is it helps people be more employable. Um, But it's not the only thing that Oasis India run in that community. They run a self-help group, which is a community bank. They run a tailoring project to give give some of the women in the community skills to be able to be tailors. They run a preschool program. They run tuition classes, um, income generation activities, jewellery, sari making, cosmetics. They run children's clubs, hobby classes. They did a load of stuff around environmental the environmental look and and feel of the place and and sanitation um, in that slum community. Oasis India did all of those projects because they were trying to be educational good news, trying to be spiritual good news, trying to be health good news, trying to be um, that really broad thing I talked about at the beginning. And so there are some principles of hub development, and it doesn't matter whether you live in that community in Vijayanagar or here in Waterloo, uh, whichever community you're part of. The first one I've sort of talked about already, haven't I? But um, the mission of an Oasis hub and the mission of our church is is to be holistic and integrated. Holistic, caring and being good news for people, socially, morally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, academically, vocationally, economically, and environmentally. And to be integrated. Um, Jesus wouldn't have understood the way we see the world, where you've got 
education services over here and health services over here and they don't talk together and you've got spiritual stuff over here and that better stay in a box and you've got help with your finances over here and it's not connected together. Jesus just wouldn't have understood that world. For Jesus, um, people's needs were interconnected. that You couldn't separate them out in the way that we've managed to do in this country. Um, and so we're holistic and integrated. Ultimately, we're aiming for this, shalom. Um, you'll have probably heard that word. People use it as a replacement for peace, don't they? As a, almost a greeting sometimes, shalom. Um, but it actually it means something broader and deeper than that. It does mean peace, but it means real well-being. Real well-being. It means nothing broken, everything in its right place. That you've got everything in balance. You've got good educational uh, good news. You've got great health outcomes. You've got everything in its right place. And so in our communities, that's what we're aiming for. Second principle of hub development um, and what the mission of our church is, is relationships and connection. And I think this is at least as important as the first one, if not massively more important. The job of our church and the job of what we do in this community needs to be and has to be about helping people to build healthy relationships, helping people to connect together, helping people to feel known. So, you know, when we were having coffee, Steve says, speak to somebody you don't know. The job of this church is to be relational with each other. Um, That's a, a really important one. So throughout the year, you will probably know that as a church community, as a hub, we run loads of um, events, and almost the sole purpose, this is the jamboree that happens in the summer, and thousands of people come and uh, gather in, in a park down the road. We did it in the Imperial War Museum last year, um, and just come and have fun together. And almost the sole purpose of this is to help people connect, <coughs> to help people build relationships with each other, to help people feel known in their community. And so we do that sort of stuff all the time. Um, third principle, this is final principle, um, is about small geography. In that um, picture of the slum in Bandra, it's a pretty small place geographically, 500 metres by 100 metres, like I said. Um, And again, here in Waterloo, we try and do a similar thing. We talk about our community, our neighbourhood as being almost a sort of half a mile radius from this building, stretching from Waterloo Station down that side to the Imperial War Museum up here, just up by the the Three Stags pub. Small geography. And um, I talked this morning as well and was saying that I think in life we're encouraged um, and this is probably a bigger problem for us in the UK than it is for people in India actually um, we live a quite fractured lives don't we where it's quite hard to know the people in your geography it's quite hard to know your neighbours it's quite hard to build relationships in this busy city that we live in where nobody's ever in at the same time um, so I think we've got a bigger issue in terms of developing relationships than people did in India And I think one of the things that society says to us is, if you feel like you've got a lack of relationship, join something. Join a football team. And I join a football team and I meet people my age and I meet people who are interested in football. Join a music club. And I join a music club and I meet people in my social demographic and people who are interested in the same thing as me. And my friends are all people who have got the same views on life as me and are all people that have got a similar outlook on life to me. And my family's over here and that's not really connected to any of the groups. And we end up having quite these sort of dislocated groups that we're part of. And often this, these groups are, well, it's certainly true for me, I don't know about you, but like made in my own image. Like they're people who are a bit like me because we've both chosen to be part of the same thing. And I think one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons why we're so bothered about geography is it forces us to be more inclusive than we might normally be. In this community here, you'll meet rich people, you'll meet poor people, 
You'll meet people who are struggling with relationships. You'll meet people who've got fantastic relationships. You'll meet people who've moved into the city, people who've been here for many, many years. You'll meet absolutely everybody in this community here. Um, and it forces us to be inclusive, doesn't it? And to have a sort of mixture of relationships that are more than just um, the image of me. And so Steve already mentioned a bit of this, but here's a map of our community. This is Waterloo. And there you can see the sort of orange circle is the half a mile radius um, away from this building. Really is almost in the centre. And we run, just like in Bandra, a whole bunch of different things. Um, we run a couple of schools, a primary school and a secondary school in this building. We run a little community farm, which is health good news for people, isn't it? And environmental good news for people. We work in St. Thomas's Hospital. We're just about to set up a community health project. There's a food bank down in the bottom right-hand corner, a little children's work, play space, a children's centre. There's youth work. There's, uh, I think I said, debt advice centre, financial help. And I won't name all the things on that list, but the job is the same job, to be good news educationally, socially, relationally, spiritually, um, in terms of your finances. And so we run a bunch of stuff in the community. It's probably worth saying as well that... None of this is uh, doing stuff to people or doing stuff for people. If we end up being like that, we're being patronising, I think. Um, we need to work in partnership and be part of this community, work with people. Um, and so uh, we work in partnership with a whole bunch of different people. If there's a fantastic health project happening in our community, well, why set something else up? Let's work together in order to achieve that broad vision. So none of this is doing stuff to or for people. It's, it's with people. Um, one more thing, um, just in terms of the way the hub model works and our mission as a church. You'll hear us often, you've probably heard Steve in the past, speak about our communities being Christ-centred communities. Um, and last week, Steve spoke about bounded sets, where there's quite a hard boundary, and it's like, are you in the set or are you out of the set? And there's some rules for deciding whether you're in or whether you're out. Um, and churches can be a bit like that, can't they? Where there are some fairly hard and fast rules on whether do you fit here or don't you fit here and you work out which side of the line you're on. Actually, we're about centred sets. Sets centred around the person of Christ. Um, this is a diagram and you can almost take it as a sort of aerial shot of Jesus. Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus taught on the move, just like all rabbis did. Um, and you can probably imagine the scene where he's wandering up a road and he's got his disciples around him trying to learn from him, trying to learn and pick up on everything he says. Peter's probably right at the front of that, trying to learn from Jesus, asking him questions about what he said, challenging what Jesus says, trying to work out what's going on, trying to work out what Jesus is trying to say. You've probably got another ring of people slightly further away, so maybe Judas, maybe Thomas, who are not really engaging in the conversation, but they are listening to it, and they're really interested to listen. You've probably got another ring of people slightly further away still that can't quite hear what's going on, but are asking Thomas about the conversation. They're almost having a conversation about the conversation. Um, there's probably another group of people further out still who, you know, can't really hear at all and are just interested to see what's going on and are sort of, you know, peering in to find out and they're asking people what's happening. And then there's a crowd of people that are sort of drifting in and out. Um, and you can probably imagine the scene looking a bit like this with people pushing their way into the centre to find out what's going on. And some people in the centre are moving away. They've got bored or distracted and are moving away. And it's a real um, mess, almost, of people moving in and people moving out. And there's no boundary to it. Um, everybody's included in this model. So we talk about Christ-centred communities. And what we mean by that is this model, where people are being encouraged in to find out more if they choose to. 
Um, and some people might be drifting away. And there's, there's quite a sort of messy boundary to all of that. There's no hard and fast rule. Are you in? Are you out? And one of our jobs as the church community in, in this geography, um, I think, is to help people, if they choose, to move closer to the centre. To help people, if they choose, to find out more about Christ at the centre of that Christ-centred model. Um, so one of our jobs, I think, is that. Um, the real point I wanted to make, that I've described to you what an Oasis hub there is, I think, and you've probably heard some of that before. But the real point I want to make is that all of that stuff that I've just said is really just a model. It's just a way of working, isn't it? And I think it's only as good as our ability to actually build relationships here in this community and in the communities where we live and where we work. Like, this is just a model for the way we operate. It's only as good as how people in this community actually feel. Do people genuinely feel included? Do people genuinely feel known in this community? Are people able to build healthy, Christ-centered character traits? Do people feel unconditionally loved and unconditionally served without an agenda? I think this model is only good, only as good as my personal choices and your personal choices on that front. It's only as good as every time I deliberately try and include somebody that I wouldn't include otherwise. And this is not easy, is it? I find it really difficult. I'm sure you find it really difficult too. So I'm not saying there's an easy just do this list and you're sorted. I think it's a hard thing to do. But it's only as good as my pushing myself to try and know people better than I currently do. It's only as good as my pushing myself to develop healthy character traits in me and helping other people to build healthy character traits. It's only as good as me unconditionally, without an agenda, putting my time, energy, money into serving others and loving other people. So really the big point I want to make is that we can talk about Hub and we can talk about the mission of this church um, as much as we like, but it's only as good as our personal choices. So, you know, we have that form that we were looking at earlier. It's only as good as my, um, you know, commitment I put into some of that stuff. Um, you know, am I going to give my time, money, and energy to um, serving people in this way? So, here you go, and Steve talked about this um, last week. There are sort of five things, and there are probably a load more, actually, but five key things that I think are the role of the church community in our neighbourhood here. I think the first one we've talked about a lot, but is about unconditional community service. Not with an agenda, just doing it because we feel that's our mission, to be good news. I think the second one is about character development. It's about us building healthy character traits and finding the opportunity for us to do that, but also helping other people to. Third one, spiritual development, and that's the bit about, you know, if people choose and there's no coercion and there's no, you know, people don't have to, but if people choose, like developing opportunities for people to be able to find out a bit more about Christ at the centre of the Christ-centred community. Relationship building we've talked about, and then um, the mission to be leaders in this community and to work in partnership with people in this community. Um, So five words there. Um, I had a, a fascinating conversation when I was home over Christmas with a guy that I used to know when I was at school, we went to school together, um, and I probably haven't seen him in about a decade. Um, and we met up for the first time in, like I say, about 10 years, it might be more than that, over Christmas, and just sat and had a drink together. Um, and it was fascinating. This guy is a really intelligent bloke. Um, and when we were at school, he's a, an ardent atheist. <coughs> and he used to 
asked me questions all the time about faith and spirituality, and he was fascinated in that stuff, so we'd always get into conversations about faith and spirituality. Um, and ten years on, we sat in the pub, and almost the first questions uh, he started talking to me about the conversation that we got into was this exact same thing ten years later. And it was a fascinating conversation, because he was saying to me that you know, there were two big points, I think, in what he was saying. But the first one was his complete distrust with institutionalized religion. Um, and the church was definitely a, a key player in that. His complete distrust with institutionalized religion. He was saying to me, I feel like the church just sets people up to be hypocrites. So you go to your religious service and you talk through all this stuff about the way you're going to live your life and then just never, ever put it into practice. And he said, I don't blame the people for that because, you know, everybody can be a hypocrite in life, can't they? And everybody, inside and outside of the church, inside religion and outside religion, um, can be a bit of a mess in their life. So I don't blame the people for that in the slightest. But institutionalized church just seems to give people the opportunity to be more of a hypocrite than they might otherwise be. And he, he went on to say, um, and also, like I, know, like, I feel like it gets rammed down my throat too. So his wife worked in the church and he said, like, when I go there, I know everybody's lovely to me, but I know there's an agenda to it. I know it's about, um, I'll be nice to you, but the price of this is your soul. I want you to turn up on a Sunday morning. And he was saying to me, I feel it's all a bit um, vacuous, really, um, that, you know, there's not much to it, and yet it gets rammed down my throat. And he said, well, you know, I'm not against faith, and I'm not against spirituality. I mean, like, if your faith is just a personal thing for you, um, if you keep it personal, um, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, you know, if it's like a, a comfort blanket for what might happen to you after you die, well, that's a good, you know, that's a nice thing. That, that's not a problem. I've not got a problem with that. And he said, so your faith, David, I guess your faith is just a, a personal thing that you keep to yourself, right? Um, and I said, well, I don't quite see it like that. Um, I don't think my faith is just a personal thing, I was saying to him. You know, I, almost, I believe, I'm not saying you need to, but like, I believe that the things I believe are as best as I can get to, like the point of the universe. I don't see it as a, a personal thing. Um, and so I went on to talk to him a bit about Oasis, and I talked to him a bit about the character development stuff we do and all the community service we do. Um, and he said, yeah, but all that community service stuff is great, but, like, what's the point? What do you want out of it? Like, what's, you know, what's the payoff? And I said, well, I don't think there is one. I hope there isn't one. Like, you know, where I work in my community in Waterloo, I don't think there is a, an agenda to it. I don't think there is a payoff. And he said, I'll pull the other one. There must be. Like, why, why are you doing all this stuff? What, what's the payoff in it? And I said, I really, really don't think there is one. But it was obvious he just didn't believe me in the slightest. And I guess um, this reminded me of two things. One is that we can think we've got the best model in the world. We can think we've got an exciting church community. We can think that everything's going swimmingly. But there's an awful lot of people that either don't know about it or have a complete distrust of what we're doing. We are the institutionalized church, aren't we? Um, it's a problem for us that. Um, I think, you know, distrust is maybe too weak a word. I think some people have got a complete hatred for institutionalized religion. And secondly, what was fascinating to me was even his best, you know, nicest, kindest view, most forgiving view of the church was a pretty lame one. It was like, well, as long as you keep it to yourself, it's just a bit of a solace for you as you slowly drift towards death. Um, 
his best view of the church was not what I think the church is about in the slightest. And it reminded me again that this is a really intelligent guy who there's no reason for him not to know about it, but like just it wasn't in his paradigm of understanding that the church could be any more than that. The church was either a bad thing or even at its best a pretty lame thing. And his paradigm of understanding just didn't include the church being an exciting force that is unconditional good news. And he just wouldn't believe it. So I think there's a challenge for us. Is um, this church just another one of the consumerist options? Um, You know, I think it's quite funny that as I've worked for Oasis over the last 10 years, I've talked to lots of different people about new church development in this country and in the States and around the world. And lots of new church development often to me seems to be take the same old stuff and put a different gloss on it. Take the same old stuff, the same theology, the same motivation, um, and put a different veneer on it. So let's create a new religious service that's got a cool band and has got really good production values. Let's take the same old stuff and let's do a a sort of postmodern version of it because that will attract that demographic. Let's take the same old stuff and do a sort of uh, more high church version of it because that will attract a different demographic. And I think my friend and others, as I talk to people, can just see through that a million miles. They know that it's the same old stuff with a different gloss and that's not what they want. My friend doesn't want the same old stuff. He wants different stuff. Um, And he cares about character development and he cares about spiritual development. He's interested in that stuff. He understood. He was saying, I fully understand that people need to work out what their place is in the world. What's the point of me being here on earth? He was saying, I'm interested in those questions. I'm interested in serving my community. I just don't feel like the church is a helpful force in that. Is this church just another one of the consumerist options? Are we the, you know, sort of liberal, family, family-friendly church and, you know, we could go anywhere. We're just another one of the consumerist options. Or are we trying to do something different? I, I hope um, that we're trying to do something different to that. I hope that this is a really exciting model that is different to that. But I think if it is, there's like a big challenge for all of us. Um, and I think the first challenge is for us to actually live it out here in this community. And I, this is not a guilt trip thing. I think we do, but like to do it more and more and more. If this genuinely is um, an exciting different model, if this is something that could genuinely excite my friend, how am I going to personally put that into practice in this community, but where I work and where I live? How am I going to put that into practice? And secondly, I think we've got to have a big vision. Um, like our vision needs to be bigger than just our sort of self-contentment here. Like, it's not okay that my friend doesn't even have in his paradigm of understanding a church that's any better than just something quite lame. Like, we need to have influence in the world. Um, We need to be talking to people about this and saying the church can be different. The church really is a force for good news in the world. Um, And I would say the only way we're going to get that influence, the only way we're going to be able to talk about those things is if we do it well here. Like, we can't, we don't just get influenced for the sake of it, we get influenced because what we're doing is good. Um, So I think it all hangs on how much commitment have I personally got, have you personally got to put in your life into uh, this here. So I think the big question I want to leave us with, I'm going to leave just some of the words that were on one of the slides back up on the screen, is how can we demonstrate to my friend How can we demonstrate to people here in Waterloo, and there will be people here in our community that either don't know about or have got a complete distrust for the church, that the church really is trying to demonstrate the unconditional, agenda-free good news of Jesus. How can we do that? And so I leave you really just with these 
four words that we looked at earlier on the screen. What is my personal commitment to being more inclusive than I would otherwise be? How well am I doing in terms of knowing people where I work, where I live in this community? How well am I doing in terms of have I got people that I know that are older than me, people that I know that are younger than me, people that I know that are difficult to know in my life, or do I just have mirror images of myself? How am I doing in terms of building character, healthy character traits myself, and how am I helping other people to do so? And am I unconditionally, with my time, energy, money, loving people around me and serving people around me? I think those are really hard questions, um, and I just want to leave them on the screen, and I'm going to give you just a, a couple of minutes just to ponder for you, like, what could you do differently? Um, are you doing those things? What could you do differently if you're not? Um, so I'll leave you to ponder those questions for a, a couple of minutes. <laughs>